A Starfleet logo has appeared on the surface of Mars. Some reports are calling it random dust storms on the planet that have caused the formations, but I've noticed an energy field manifesting from Earth that has caused this anomaly. That energy field is a beacon to summon one of the greatest leaders of all time, Captain Picard. We're also going to do a deep dive on the Prime Directive. It's time to take the show into the final frontier. Welcome to the Coffee Buzz, the podcast with warp drive capability. (laughs) I am Brad. Thank you for listening. Make sure you type the Coffee Buzz into your Facebook search bar the next time you're, you're doing that whole thing. Give it the old thumbs up. You know, that is if you're into that kind of thing. I don't know. It's no pressure. But, uh, I do post things that I find interesting. So if you find the show interesting, you might like it. I found a coffee that I like. Imagine that, right? Uh, <laughs> there was a time when I would not touch a cup of Folgers. Uh, I would just not have coffee if that was all there was. But I've come to appreciate bad coffee from time to time because even bad coffee makes good coffee even better. <laughs> It's, uh, I don't know, I I don't brew um, bad coffee at home, but but when I'm out and uh, Folgers is the only coffee available, I drink it. And I've come to realize it's not horrible. It's just always consistently mediocre. But now they're trying to change all that, and they've launched a line called 1850. And it's a real nice package. It's uh, black with gold label. uh, And in a tiny six-point font, you can see the Folger Company. And uh, I'll be damned if I don't like Folger's coffee now. I, uh, I didn't notice this at first because this looks nothing like the typical package that they've used for so long. Um, this is their, I think, attempt to break into a younger market, uh, in my opinion, because most millennials that I know, they don't like bad coffee. So good on you, Folgers. This is very dark. All the blends they have are on the darker side. And I went with the Pioneer blend, which is supposed to be their medium, but it's it's really dark. Uh, I wish they would have made it organic. That's that's my only critique. Um, at first, I was thinking they should have offered it in whole bean form, but I'm sure the grinder at these companies is better than mine. <laughs> I'm not rocking like a burr grinder or anything. Um, I do lose a bit of freshness uh, because they grind it, but you know they're using a steel cut grinder on those beans, so I think pre-grind is probably the way to go for now. But a uh, good job on this one, Folgers. I take back all those things I said about you in my uh, coffee snob days. Recently, the Starfleet logo was found on Mars. Starfleet being the academy 
that trains the crew of the various Star Trek spacecrafts. Uh, Captain James T. Kirk took to Twitter to post the photo and to challenge the Star Wars franchise. He said, uh, quote, Hey, Star Wars, will you hurry up, you rebel scum? We beat you. And then he had a picture of the, of the logo on Mars. And it's not a contest, Captain Kirk, but if it was, Star Trek would clearly win. <laughs> I mean, just look at the surface of Mars. We have already won. It's, uh, there's no need to rub it in, Kirk. Uh, he's a little boisterous, you know. Uh, this is something Captain Picard would never do. It's uh, also one of the fundamental differences between original Star Trek and The Next Generation. The captains had vastly different personalities. And on the simplest level, Kirk is an explorer and Picard is a diplomat. Um, Kirk is always after new things, uh, experiences, always looking into the unknown. And a lot of people think of him as the playboy rule breaker guy. But the truth is, he's a romantic. And to Kirk, the Federation is just a never-ending process of turning the unknown into the known. And Picard has a similar view, but he is not so much about the unknown in space, but more about unknown cultures. After all, he did start off studying anthropology at Starfleet, as we all know. Uh, to him, the Federation is about linking the different cultures of the galaxy just together in a peaceful cooperation. And another big difference is that Kirk would beam down for almost all of the away missions. Uh, there seemed to be some type of procedural change during the next generation regarding captains on away missions. Picard would go down from time to time, but Worf always warned against it. And it makes sense. I mean, that would be like sending the president to the front lines of a combat zone. You know, when I say that out loud, it actually doesn't sound like that bad of an idea. But we have to protect Picard. We need leaders to stay alive. <laughs> and they can say that the Starfleet logo is just a random geologic formation on Mars, but I think it's all caused by the collective excitement around the upcoming Picard series. Uh, if you don't know, there's a show all about our favorite captain in the works. And very little is known, but just stay tuned because uh, updates are coming. <laughs> I've got a Google alert set for the show, so anytime something new happens, I will, uh, I will report back. Maybe they'll address why Picard always had to specify the temperature of his tea. Remember that? Like at the replicator, he would always have to tell it to make the tea hot. Just here it is. Hold on. Tea Earl Grey hot. Tea Earl Grey hot. Earl Grey. Tea Earl Grey hot. Tea Earl Grey perhaps. Tea Earl Grey hot. 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 
Would you like some tea? No. The captain likes his tea, no doubt. Uh, but no one else had to specify the temperature with the replicator. My guess would be that this was some type of user interface bug that just didn't get worked out. You know what I mean? Like, they probably didn't have a business analyst on the project. I could have helped them out with that. Uh, you know, somebody gathering up business requirement documents. Then what would have happened is they would have listed Earl Grey as being hot by default. Uh, no one drinks cold Earl Grey. No one that I want to know anyway. I think maybe it's time for a rewatch to see if I can find out why the replicator had such an issue with the temperature of tea. But that's really not my favorite part of the Star Trek series. One of my favorite aspects of the show was the Prime Directive. And it is a rule against interference with other cultures and civilizations. It's aimed at preventing interference with the development of civilizations that are less technologically advanced. And what it is is an assumption that basically cultures are better off left to their own devices. And interference by Starfleet, even if it's well-intended, is judged to likely mess things up. <laughs> and it does. <laughs> the... Uh, the crew of the Enterprise and other Starfleet vessels take an oath to uphold the Prime Directive at all costs, including their own lives if need be. However, they don't always follow this rule. And on the surface, it makes total sense. But they've encountered scenarios where upholding it gets dicey when you're talking about being able to prevent an entire civilization from being wiped out of existence. Only you're not supposed to because of the Prime Directive. Picard has probably the best track record for upholding the Prime Directive at 65% of the time, <laughs> while Kirk uh, comes in at just 5%. I think each of them were justified, although... Kirk breaks the Prime Directive right after Spock mentions it for the very first time in the original Star Trek. He does it about three minutes after he's told about it. Um, and then here's Picard uh, shooting down Dr. Crusher when she tries to help a planet that's addicted to drugs. Mainbridge? When the Felicium runs out... The people of Anara will suffer horrible withdrawal pains. No doubt that they will pass. That seems so cruel. We could have made their burden easier. Could we have? Perhaps in the short term. To what end? Hold. Beverly, the Prime Directive is not just a set of rules. It is a philosophy, and a very correct one. History has proved again and again that whenever mankind interferes with a less developed civilization, no matter how well-intentioned that interference may be, the results are invariably disastrous. It's hard to be philosophical when faced with suffering 
Believe me, Beverly, there was only one decision. I just hope it was the right one. And we may never know. I love Picard, but he's kind of a dick in that first season. Um, he goes on to occasionally change his view on the Prime Directive. Um, and it, it does create a lot of turmoil, which is why it's such a great plot device. Um, on one hand, they're supposed to be explorers in space, seeking out new life and such. But you're also not supposed to interfere with those cultures. So it's a bit of a slippery slope. I've formed a theory that the reasons we humans evolved so much in the last few hundred years is that on several occasions, aliens have violated the prime directive. Um, I mean, modern humans are estimated to be about 200,000 years old, but it seems that only 99% of technological process has occurred in the last 10,000 years. I mean, we've been evolving at a snail's pace for a very long time. And then the aliens shared their technology with us. Since then, we've been on a downward spiral towards <laughs> calamity. I mean, how else would you explain the exponential advances in technology after the 1800s? We went from a steam engine to mobile technology in less than 300 years. Somewhere along the way, alien species violated the prime directive. Uh, Canadian ex-minister of defense, Paul Hellyer, said that not only is much of our technology alien-based, but that they would give us more technology if we weren't such assholes. If humankind, quote, would go about it peacefully, they would share the splendor of their tech. <laughs> Dropping the atom bomb, apparently, was a big sign to extraterrestrials that we're way too sketchy to handle any more gifts. I mean, we really can't be blamed, though. We can't help ourselves because we're not ready for this technology. It's why we have a drinking age. I mean, the, the drinking age is kind of like the prime directive. Don't share technology with beings that don't possess the emotional intelligence to use it wisely. <laughs> Ancient Aliens is a show all about violating the Prime Directive, and they make a fairly compelling argument for that theory. Life on Earth, seeded from Mars? Could we, in fact, be Martians? Ancient astronaut theorists say yes, and suggest that this seeding of Earth may even have been a directed effort orchestrated by human-like beings that existed on the Red Planet. And they claim these extraterrestrial ancestors can be found in the apocryphal texts of the Hebrew Bible, represented as the fallen angels. We know from ancient legend of the books of Enoch, that there was a group of angels who descended to earth in violation of divine law. They introduced to humanity ways, means, knowledge, which we would understand today as science and technology. These angels were in human form. 
They were called in Hebrew ishim, which means men. They looked just like us. I don't think all aliens violate the Prime Directive. However, not all aliens are the same. And think about how many different people there are just in your city or state. I mean, you can have vastly different worldviews with just the people on your own planet. And think about all the variations that you would find if you open that search up to the whole galaxy. The greys have a different agenda than the reptilians, and they have a different agenda than the palladians and the zetas, and as you know, the list goes on and on. My, my point being that just because some, maybe most, observe the importance of the Prime Directive, you probably have some that are just in it for laughs. I mean, imagine like the alien version of the Kardashians, like just going on vacations to Earth, uh, giving humans tech they're not really ready for, just to watch them destroy themselves in amusement. I actually think it's a good idea to incorporate the Prime Directive into my personal life. On my journey, I've made some radical changes designed to raise my vibration. That is my main intention now. And when I go through a shift, I kind of get excited about it and I talk about it. And sometimes that doesn't always go well. You know, if people aren't ready to hear what I have to say, it can cause some cognitive dissonance, uh, frustration. Um, people have to be ready. I wasn't ready. And I remember times when I would speak to someone at a higher vibration than me, and I thought they were crazy. I, just like the Prime Directive, uh, I had not evolved enough to be ready for this information. I will keep you posted on the Picard series. No release date yet, uh, but there is a trailer, which I will post on my blog, thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. Until next week, keep exploring. All I'm saying is that in the episode Relics, when Scotty rematerialized on the Janolan, he referenced Captain Kirk still being alive, which is ridiculous because he knew he watched him die on the Enterprise B in Star Trek Generations. There's a perfectly simple explanation. He was caught in a transporter pattern buffer for 75 years, and Riker mentioned a .003% signal degradation, which would account for Scotty's memory loss. Well, well, look what we have here, Jonathan. Yep, looks like we got ourselves a couple of nerds. <laughs> Give me six dollars. <laughs> <laughs>